He dropped around $30 to publish a full-page advertisement in the USA Today that warned of a catastrophic judgment to befall Earth. And uh, boom! Yeah, he got twenty more followers. Wow, he's almost got as many not, followers as this podcast at this point. That's amazing. Good work, my friend. Forty right there, man. He's killing it. Hello and welcome to episode fifteen of History's Greatest Idiots, the podcast in which we look back on historic figures and show you the mistakes they made throughout their lives in an effort to give you lessons that you can learn so you never repeat those mistakes again. But who are we kidding? We're humans. We enjoy making mistakes. They're fun. And actually, sometimes we learn some stuff from them. So certainly we'll do this week. Joining me as ever is my amazing, awesome co-host, Derek. Derek, how are you doing over there? I am doing fantastic, man. Kids back to school. Oh, and, wow, uh, already. Kinda, yeah, they, they seem like they start earlier and earlier every year. Yeah, it feels like it. He's much less uh, bored and annoying, so he's, <laughs> he's getting, <laughs> getting back into uh, being a normal kid again instead of the end of summer bored kid. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that. Like, you've run out of things to do, and then the kind of the stress of going back to school and the impending doom feeling of it all sort of takes over so i used to i went to a school uh but what would probably be classed as a posh school didn't really fit in because uh my family weren't rich and i definitely wasn't a genius so i never really fit in i just sort of hung in there for as long as i could um we um we used to be in school from 8 30 in the morning until 5 30 every single day and then on Saturdays, um, it would be 8.30 until 1pm. You were in school on a Saturday. And then if you had sporting commitments afterwards, which I did normally with swimming or basketball or soccer or something like that, uh, you'd be there until 5 o'clock. So essentially you were in school six days a week on a full-time working schedule. That's nuts. That is nuts. <laughs> That's too much, man. It is. It was too much school. However, the upshot was... Instead of six weeks of summer, you got 12, which okay. was pretty cool because everybody else was back in school. And us, when we were in our teen years, we were all still out drinking and playing football until the sun went down <laughs> and all of that stuff. And I got those summers, I became a very good soccer player. I, very, very good. We just played for hours and then went out in the evening and drank. And then played oh, football geez. again the next day because we were kids and you could do that with your body at that point. So, yeah, and it, yeah, it didn't take a week and a half for a hangover to go away, <laughs> or or months as it was towards the end <laughs> when I stopped drinking. Um, and yeah, ironically, that carried on until I tore both my Achilles tendons doing exactly that routine. Ooh. Yeah, so even when you're young, you can't do that shit and get away with it because eventually <laughs> your body goes no, and then your your uh. tendons snap. That yeah, wasn't fun. Also, my mother rejected my idea that I'd snap something and it uh, made me walk on it for 30 days before we went to the doctor. Oh, and the hell. doctor was like, yeah, he's torn his Achilles tendon. He told you that weeks ago. Why didn't you believe him when he said he was in searing pain? Now he has a small circular blot at the middle of his calf because you made Damn. him walk on it. That's his tendon. Ouch. <laughs> it should be around oh, his ankle. Holy. Sorry, that was a gross story. I didn't mean to wow. start off on that yet. I, the <laughs> thing is, my mother worked in the NHS, so she was like, oh, I've seen dead people. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, like that kind of, because <laughs> oh, they've had that thing, their child suffering, it's not quite as bad as what they've seen. So, yeah. I got gotcha. you. 
Uh, I was I was all cringy there for a moment. Yeah, now it's my, a pretty now messed my ankles up. Hurt. Pretty messed up teen <laughs> years right there. That's why I can't really run anymore because never got surgically repaired. So oh. I'm a brisk walker. And that's about as much as I can do. Uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> <laughs> away from my messed up teen years. Um, how's life over in Arizona? Is everything okay over there? Is it still oh. searingly hot? I mean, it's Arizona, right? So. Yeah, it's it's cooling down. It's getting better. We it like rained for three days straight. So Holy shit! Mean, yeah, that's amazing. I'm so happy. You have water again. Hooray! <laughs> we can we can take baths now. <laughs> we again. can we can actually have oh. a bath. Oh my god! God, that's amazing. How horrible would that have been oh. before air conditioning and indoor plumbing to be out here in this heat? I know. Huh. There's a place in Australia, a really interesting part of um, the outback, and it is because a lot of Australia is essentially a desert. To be to be fair, right. there is a part of our Ari- uh, of Arizona of Australia. I can't remember the name of the place, but they've essentially built houses in underground caverns, and it's like any normal house. You know, you got like your living room and your kitchen, and there's electricity and running water and stuff, but it's all underground, and it's the most huh. amazing place. Yeah, there's a bunch of YouTube videos on there. I, I I swear you should go and watch out because they've um they've got natural air conditioning systems built into their housing. Um right. and bio uh there's an engineering thing going on, a design thing called biomimicry, where um people copy elements of the natural world into the design of houses. So I think like coyote and termite mounds have natural air conditioning systems, so that's being incorporated into the way people design buildings now. It's really, really cool that that's a thing that's happening. I f- I feel like we should have been doing this sort of stuff a long time ago. No, Um, harsh squares, harsh edges everywhere, (laughs) concrete. That's the answer. No, that's. I I think that made it hotter out here. Is we we killed everything and put in asphalt and uh, blacktop, and they're like, "Why is it three hundred degrees here?" Yeah, why is the sun not reflecting anymore? Why is (laughs) why hasn't it been absorbed into absorbed into the earth? Yeah, no, that's. One of the reasons behind California's constant shortage of water is that there isn't enough grass and soil for it to soak into the bedrocks. So, because everything's tarmacked. So, right. that ain't good. That's not good for the environment. Anyway, away from ramblings about the environment and torn Achilles <laughs> tendons, um, can you tell us who your idiot is this week? I'm fascinated to hear who this is and what they've done. Okay, so. I've always been fascinated by cults and the stuff that their leaders do. Who isn't? And I know there's... It's amazing. Yeah, well, there's tons of people out there that dig that sort of stuff. I yeah. think that's why there's, like, uh, documentary after documentary on it, which yeah. keeps me entertained for hours. Oh, and this stuff. guy has to be one of the most bizarre, fascinating, and, like, really, really sad stories in okay. recent history. So he was the punchline of a lot of jokes... Throughout his life, and he went by many names, but most people know him as Marshall Applewhite. Oh, I've heard that name. Yeah, the the self-proclaimed prophet and leader of Heaven's Gate, the cult that uh, (laughs) caught a spaceship ride back in the 1990s. Allegedly, yeah. (laughs) He was born in on May 17th of 1931 in Spur, Texas, and he was the son of a Presbyterian minister and became very religious at an early age, which seems like a common theme in a lot of cult leaders. Yeah. 
they have a, a, a super fanatical religious parents or ministers or they get involved in that mess early on. Yeah, it's but, either, they're either going to be cult leaders or si- uh, serial killers after uh, that kind of upbringing, really. So, uh, yeah. Right. Not a lot of... Well, I mean, maybe there's some scientists, but not a lot coming out of that <laughs> upbringing, but no. In 1952, he graduated from college with a bachelor's degree in philosophy. Ooh. And later that year, married his wife, Anne Pierce, and had two children. Nice. Shortly after being married, he attended seminary with hopes of becoming a minister himself, but decided to leave in favor of a music career. (laughs) As you do. Seems legit, right? Yeah. In 1954, he was drafted and served in the Army Signal Corps until 1956. Okay. So that would have been Korea, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He he spent most of his time stateside. Oh, okay. Uh, When he left the service, he enrolled in school at the University of Colorado and graduated with a master's degree in music, and he focused on musical theater. This guy's really talented. You know, all these right. different things he can do. Philosophy, seminary school, obviously a very talented entertainer. This is very promising, although we know he goes off the rails. So, a little bit. A little and bit. He, he takes his talent in the early 60s after graduating and moves to New York City to work as an actor and a singer, which folks do. They wander off to New York. They do. And as most folks are, he was unsuccessful chasing that dream and ended up down in Alabama teaching at the University of Alabama. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is quite a uh, a kind of a sea shift from one direction to the other. Blimey. Wow. And it's at the University of Alabama there that things kind of actually start to shake apart when he pursued a sexual relationship with a male student. And okay. was fired because the school found out. Oh, wow. Well, uh, yeah, that won't help. Also, also kind of led to some trouble in his marriage because they got separated as soon as she found out that he sure. was carrying on an affair with a male student. Mm-hmm. Also, um, was it, it, that, uh, we're talking the 1960s, did you say, right? So that would have been like really, contra- yeah. well, not uh, not controversial, that's the wrong word, Um it would have not okay. In well, it would have yeah. It would have outraged the the local, especially in Alabama. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. And that was it. Was nineteen sixty five, and yeah. they separated. Three years later, they divorced. He yeah. took on uh, or took off and and went to Houston. And honestly, I think this might have been the start of some of his like bigger internal conflicts because of his religious upbringing and. Uh, those studies weren't in favor or support of the same-sex relationships. No, they were not. And s- some people think that that might have been like extreme sexual frustration uh, because of his own disapproval of his his own sexual desires that led down the path. But after he's in in Houston, he serves as the chair member for the music department at the University of Saint Thomas, and starts to get real popular as a singer. Locally oh. around town, that's and good. Performed at the the Houston Grand Opera. Oh wow, good for him! So he complicated his life. Uh, well, let me let me step back. He was living in Houston as an openly gay man. Oh wow, that's amazing for the time. And and he was doing well. And he decided to complicate his life by also trying to date a woman whose family didn't approve of him and didn't want to have anything to do with that and ended up 
just causing him more heartache when she breaks up with him. Yeah, that was... If you are living your life as an openly gay man, and then you suddenly decide... I mean, it's it's okay if you are... If your sexuality is as fluid as this guy's is to date, you know, multiple different people from, you know, different genders and sexual orientations and all that, that's fine. I think Houston in the 1960s was never, would not have been the right place for that. Not many places in the 60s were the right place for that, really, so. I'm not sure that he was no in the right mindset to be as accepting of his choices as yeah. he was going, so he just was continuing to create conflict sure. uh, that he didn't, like, I guess he didn't know how to get away from it because he didn't know mm. what he wanted. Yeah. And it wasn't a time when you could just screw around and try to figure it out, I guess. <laughs> no, definitely so, not. <laughs> um, he really took off to, to toward the cult leader status, though, in, in 1972 when he met a nurse named Bonnie Nettles. Mm-hmm. Good name. Bonnie had an interest in the theosophy and okay. biblical prophecy, and they became like really close friends. He went on to say that he, or he has said that they felt like they knew each other forever and believed that they had met in uh, past lives. The first part of that statement, uh, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. They're kindred spirits, and then the past lives thing and the theology. Uh, the, not, um, the, the field of study I, she was in. Uh, theos- theos- theosophy? Yeah, theosophy. How to say it. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to see now what you mean by the beginnings of the cult-like behavior, because that's immediately that's a little worrying right there. Yeah, and she's the one that actually first told him that their meeting had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials and persuaded him that he had a divine assignment. Oh, don't tell a man so. that they have a d- divine assignment. My God, <laughs> we'll run with that shit until the world's burning. What are you doing? Right? And it's because of this sort of uh, intervention by her that I'm wondering if he was a cult leader or a victim. Mm, a little bit of both, and I'd imagine. Like, obviously, he goes full on well into, yes, we know exactly <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. he may have started out as a victim, perhaps, mm. but, uh, like, not, not that I'm defending stuff. No, I'm no, I know what you mean, though. look at it from all like, the angles. Yeah. <laughs> if he hadn't made, like, a lot of this, the influence of maybe this life wasn't almost entirely his choice, maybe he was introduced to elements of it, I think is is right. what you mean I like he, he, he didn't go out conf- deliberately to be a cult leader it just like he had the makings of one and then somebody gave him that push right it's and it's i think different than a lot of the other like charles manson sure. or david koresh type where they had like a sociopath yeah. psycho uh psychopath sort of no emotion yeah they actually believe they are the chosen one yeah where he kind of seems like he doesn't know who he is and he struggles. Yeah, and sort of and, fell into it almost to a certain extent. And, and he integrates a lot of the, the studies in Christian doctrine from his youth into his belief system, integrates it with extraterrestrials and past lives, and they continue on down this this path where she's telling him that he's got a, a, a role to serve similar to Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, she's done it. I mean, telling him that he has a divine assignment is one thing. Telling him that he's similar to Jesus. Fucking hell. It's... Oh. 
Don't say that to a man. We already think that sometimes. (laughs) Don't tell us that. Well, he started having visions then that told him that he was chosen for this role, as you do. Coincidence. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Some people speculated that it was around this time that he was actually having a schizophrenic break. Seems. And that, paired with the influence and the support that came from Bonnie, may have fueled him along the path. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I scrolled and lost where I was, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, anyway, Marshall and Bonnie kind of began this non-sexual cohabitation relationship and decided that they were... The two mentioned in the book of Revelations. Oh, no. And they were on this spiritual mission together uh, that it was believed also fulfilled uh, Marshall's longtime need for a deep, loving relationship. Yeah, that just happened to not be sexual. Right at that same time, they broke off all contact with their families. Oh, Jesus. They head on over and open a bookstore known as the Christian Arts Center, and at the same time launched a venture called the No Place, where they taught classes in theosophy and mysticism. Okay. So they're all over the map on the religious spiritualism, but they were able to uh, use the times in the 70s there in the New Age movement to kind of mix the extraterrestrial, (laughs) biblical... Wow. Alien visitation thing together. Um, By February of 73, they closed the businesses and took their show on the road, hoping to teach others about their beliefs. And that's where it starts to get dangerous. They kind of travel around the uh, southwestern United States with, like, no money, Mm -hmm. living like hobos uh, in camping places. In 74, he gets picked up for uh, not returning a rental car and cites a... Uh, divinely authorized uh, that he was divinely authorized to keep the car and <laughs> God told me I need to keep this Buick exactly because <laughs> <laughs> hell. Um, then he goes to jail for six months yeah. and moves away from a cult and really starts getting into the extraterrestrial aspects sure. of the Bible and the ancient alien theories oh, no. that uh, are so fun to watch on the History Channel. <laughs> um, but they're fun to watch because they're fun, not because... Yeah, like, they're serious. Yeah. The History Channel anyway, doesn't do serious anymore. It does crazy. Very well. <laughs> it does reality, Bloody Re- yeah, fingers. Reality. Yeah. yeah. Anyway... Uh, by the time he gets out of jail, they've kind of developed and solidified the basic outline for their belief system uh, along the lines that they're the two witnesses and they've been given a higher level mind than other people. Oh, God. And then they started publishing advertisements for meetings where they would recruit and uh, get these new members uh, and followers that they called crew. Okay. See, it's on the alien thing. <laughs> um, Marshall and Bonnie shared their ideas... Uh, that they represented beings from other planets. Um, mm. and one of the planets being, I called, I shit you not, Next Level. So the planet and, was called uh, Next Level. <laughs> yes, sir. Jesus. Isn't that an amazing He's... coincidence that they happen to have English there? <laughs> it's super convenient. Yeah, it is. Um, anyway, they were seeking participants for an experiment that they claimed uh, those that joined them and participated would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. 
And at the meetings, the two didn't really speak with people directly or personally. Right. They just kind of took their phone numbers and contacted them later. Okay. Which is creepy as hell. Yeah, it is. That's not a meeting I want to go to. Also, like, if you're doing scientific studies into, like, <laughs> stuff like that, I, I, I know that people do scientific studies and medical tests and stuff like that for money, but... I, I dread to think the kind of person that's willing to accept being part of a scientific study for the chance to reach the next level of evolution. That shit is not for people who are into science. That is for no, not so much. crazies. And to be honest, if you're not paying me $2,000 to live in your lab for two months and have shit stuck in my body, then forget it. <laughs> to be honest. Well, and okay... So they're doing that experiment, mm -hmm. which is crazy and batshit as it is. Yeah, oh yeah. So that you can evolve and go to the next level. Of course. So they're super awesome at naming shit, and they decided to name their organization Anonymous Sexaholic Celibate Church. What? Sorry, Anonymous Sexaholic Church. <laughs> is that what I heard? Celibate Church, sir. Celibate. I'm sorry. That's a very different thing. Okay. <laughs> I I don't know what the hell they were thinking, but apparently it didn't gain traction because shortly after they changed it to the Human Individual Metamorphosis. Yeah. Which is if they'd have just like better. changed it to the the Church of Celibacy, but occasional hand jobs, I'm sure they'd have gotten a few signups. You know, just like one or two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> not when you start bringing up experimentation though. oh yeah yeah well maybe they'd have got more maybe they should have led with that yeah that's how you date yeah forget the celibacy thing experimentation especially in the <laughs> 70s holy shit people were all open to that kind of thing that in that filthy decade so yeah ah <sighs> disco oh, anyway yes. so their belief structure and uh ideas which are admittedly shitty and honestly batshit crazy yeah. but they've got a structure they've got an outline they've got a message and they're out there spreading it by 1975 uh they had taken on the names Bo and peep because they had around <laughs> <laughs> i told you the shitty at naming things man they just go straight obvious is that in the they're bible not creative <laughs> <laughs> Were those the names in, in Revelation or wherever the fuck it was in the Bible? Bo and Peep, Jesus. No, they just kind of took it because they had 70 followers and they saw themselves as the shepherds Ugh. tending to the flock. So obviously... They're calling Bo their followers Peep. literal sheep. Yes. <laughs> so around that same time, they adopted the belief that a complete separation from earthly desires was a, a prerequisite for the ascension to next level. I mean, that sounds and, like Buddhism, uh, as far as I can tell, to be honest. Uh, a little bit, <laughs> which, again, makes me nervous, because I'm like, Sh shit. I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel for this guy a little bit. Yeah. Like, some of it, I'm like, dude, how? Like I told you, I've been part of groups, though, where I'm standing there, and I'm like, yeah, 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 and then somebody says something batshit crazy, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> And I start looking around, and there's more people cheering with him, and I'm like, "Oh no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I sneak out now." <laughs> that's what I get for only reading the headlines. I got to read the whole article. <laughs> um, anyway, so they're doing kind of like the Buddhist thing, mm. and then he falls back onto some of his Christian teachings and emphasizes passages in the New Testament where Jesus spoke about forsaking the worldly attachments. So he's putting it out there and then bringing it back into the control aspect. Mm. And um, 
<clears throat> so he's asking at this time for the believers to renounce friends, uh. family, media, drugs, alcohol, jewelry, facial hair, and facial sexuality. Hair. Yes. Well, he wanted the whole... I think he wanted to be an alien. Like, the gray race aliens. Like, yeah. non-gender specific, gray, no facial hair. Uh, Poor eyebrows, you know? <laughs> First thing to go. Dude. Shave those things, you look like a fucking seal. What's he thinking? It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, they also expected him, the, the followers to ab- adopt some biblical names at this time. Okay. And they go all over the place with what they're asking their followers to do. They they change that shit up regular. Um, after the biblical thing, they decided they wanted them to adopt a two-syllable style name that ends in Odie and has three continents in the first, such as Rickody, Jimodi, Livodi, and these are all spelled R-K-K-O-D, J-M-M-O-D-E. It's weird. Yeah, it's but they, weird. they taught... That the the names emphasized uh, that they were spiritual children, but why Odie? I don't, I don't know. Because <laughs> I was thinking maybe they were just really into Garfield and they liked yeah. the dog. <gasps> it's what it's, it was. It's fucking what's his name? The creator's fault. That's who we can blame. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's I can't think of it. Oh well, Jim something. Uh, by night, <laughs> by nineteen seventy six, Marshall and Bonnie. Uh, Change names again. Oh, no. Because Bo and Peep weren't doing it. No shit. Uh, with, with this new Odie thing going on, they needed something that sounded fucking cool, too. So they went with Doe and T. Doe T. Okay. Right. Doe and T. And I'm assuming maybe they watched the sound of music around that time or some shit and thought, <laughs> hey, we can, we can bank off of this popularity. Yeah, let's uh, hit that shit while it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> By uh, from seventy six to seventy nine, they separated their followers into clusters mm. in small groups, and they were living in campgrounds in the Rocky Mountains and parts of Texas. And they called their little groups their star clusters. I believe the FBI would call them cells. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they also put out that Doe and T were the only source of truth, Ugh. and that no other members could receive revelations. Okay. So, like, no, you can't hear it, too, just us. So, We're the special ones. Read ends. the fucking Bible. <laughs> and they worked uh, to prevent the members from developing any sort of close relationships amongst themselves <sighs> because that created um, ego stuff right. that was in contradiction to their giving up of earthly desires. Yeah. So friendships and sexuality and friends and family and all that. (laughs) Um, They went on to teach that the followers' sole responsibility was to obey their leaders. Mm. And to his followers, a lot of them actually look back on it and say he, he wasn't like a controlling dictator, but they looked at him as like a loving father, which... I think is the Stockholm syndrome sort oh, yeah. of thing. Once you buy, but he in told and... you to swear off love and family and friends and fathers and fucking noodles and shit like that. So why would he be a loving father if you can't have anything? You know, I told you they're super contradictory, man. Jeez. They're all over the place. Yeah, and renaming like crazy <laughs> and saying one thing and then doing another. As a matter of fact, um, he was also teaching them uh, flexibility that demanded strict obedience 
even when they had ever-shifting requests. Right. Okay, when I, when you said flexibility, I was like, is this like where the sex thing's going to creep in? But no, it wasn't. It was just like, you have to be flexible, but obedient at the same time. Okay, so this is just... Yeah. These people should not it's, be anywhere near other human beings and influence. It's just, it's a recipe for disaster, and we already know where it's going, unfortunately. It is scary, yeah. and... It gets scarier in the later part of the 70s when they come into some money. Um, It's not actually revealed whether or not it's an inheritance from one of the members or if it was like through follower donations or what the deal was. But they took that money and they rented some houses in Denver and Dallas. And at the time, the group was right around 40 members. Okay. And they all lived together in these rented houses. All right. Except for Doe and T. They had their own places. Mansion. Well, they're... Closer to the next level. Of course, yeah. Excuse me. Um, The group was expected to, well, as expected, the group was living in secrecy, covered their windows, didn't really go outside. Neighbors didn't know shit about them. And Marshall and Bonnie created this lifestyle for the followers that they referred to as a, a boot camp that prepared them for next level and referred to the housing units that they lived in as craft like the cheese the crew the craft no like the spacecraft oh oh i okay my mind went to food sorry um <laughs> craft well, food's course. a worldly possession you're supposed to give i'm that sorry up, yeah i can't give up craft cheese i'm i'm stuck in my ways <laughs> uh, okay so they're living in this craft and they're following this regimented uh life that Doe and T have planned out for them down to the minute. Jeez, yeah. Uh, The ones that weren't really committed to the lifestyle were actually encouraged to leave. Good. given financial assistance when they left. Take them to the cleaners. My God. (laughs) But but that sort of, like, freedom to leave gives the illusion that there's choice and Mm. makes the ones that are doubtful kind of feel safe and, like, they can stay because they can leave any time they want. Okay, sure. you know... It's not like they're going to be disowned by their family like in some other religions. Mm. If you leave, you're out. We, nobody talks to you anymore. It's as good as you're dead. Mm. They're, they give them that safety feeling and then reinforce it um, that you're the elite one mm. because you made it. You didn't leave. Sure. You know, like the Navy SEALs sort of situation. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Looking into a <laughs> lot of cults here. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So... Uh, that validated and keep the ones staying around. And by 1980, they grew to around 80 members. Okay. Which is, they're back up, doubling it up. Yeah. <clears throat> In 83, uh, T was, that's that's Bonnie, mm. was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And by 1985, she died. Yeah, I remember Which this. left left him alone with the followers. She's done the hard work, though. She's given him a god complex. So, you know... He'll be able to run with that one now, thankfully, thanks to her. So, Right, but he's still really trapped a little bit mm. because they were the two, and she left him. And now he's he's struggling with that, and he's going to figure it out, and he tells the, the, the followers that she traveled to the next level mm. because she had too much energy to remain on Earth, and that she simply abandoned her body to make the journey, and that's where he came up with this new stuff that the followers ate up, that you die... And then you're given a new body once you get to the spaceship, and that's when you get to go to planet next level, okay. and it's it's good times. But 
he wasn't buying his own bullshit and got really depressed. I'm not surprised. He's alone now. Like, yeah, he's having a crisis of faith. Yeah. And it was actually the followers that supported him and encouraged him to keep going and kept pushing him. That's sweet. And in a darkly, I wish you hadn't done that way. A little bit. Yeah. Um, he decided that uh, what he really needed to do was have a ceremony then yeah. to marry all of his followers. Yeah, that makes, that, that makes total that sense, he, of course. Yeah, that way they're all one. Yeah. It's unity. Uh, he also told the members that uh, she had left them behind or left him behind because she still had more to, or he still had more to learn, and she held a, a higher spiritual role. So she was now known as the father. That makes, yeah, there's no psychological issues going on in that naming process. Yeah. Yeah, and he starts to refer to her with male pronouns from, from then on out as well. And oh, for a world-class following psychologist. That, that uh, group ceremony that I talked about, he started to push for this strict hierarchy now. Oh. Instead of the dual role and free choice, he started uh, believing that the group needed guidance that was provided by the next, next level through him, of course. of course, and now he's teaching that the relationship with him is the only way to salvation, kind of like Jesus. Of course. Uh, and he encourages his followers to actually view him as Christ. Oh, God. But then he's replacing the idea of free choice with a, a belief that he's the facilitator of ascension. Right. So, so he is simultaneously God, but also a travel agent. So yes, okay, yep, gotcha. That makes <laughs> total sense. He's got the tickets yeah. for the ship. <laughs> I'm on board so, the ship now. The craft, sorry. And this is when he changes uh, philosophy and teachings a little bit again. And heaven is actually a planet, mm. or the planet is actually heaven, and highly evolved beings live there. And physical bodies are required to ascend, but not the earthly bodies because those those suck. Did he watch the? Order did he ascend, watch Star Trek Six? Is that where he's got this influence from? Is that because I swear that's when did that come out? That's I swear <laughs> that was the one that Shatner directed had that storyline in it. But uh, yeah, maybe well, he did. it didn't have this storyline because he also started to teach that Jesus was an alien <sighs> that came to Earth uh, and was killed, but like took off back to his spaceship, and he emphasized that Jesus was a gateway to heaven. Uh, but found humanity was unready to ascend when he first got here, and that new teaching made way uh, for him to start saying that humans had the opportunity to reach next level every two millennia, and that in the 1990s, that first opportunity would be Jesus coming back and helping them and seeing if they were evolved enough to ascend. Uh, Amazingly, part of what you just said is the element of the script for um, Prometheus that didn't make it into the film. Really? <laughs> that Jesus was, <laughs> yes, that Jesus was one of the architects that you see in the film Prometheus, and that because, um, this is Ridley Scott actually uh, admitted this, that um, because we um, killed the architect that was sent to guide us to the next level, they were angry with us and decided to wipe us out, and that's why the whole Prometheus ship was going to Earth with all the alien stuff in it so damn yeah he was he was right well because ridley scott wrote a film about it yes well i'm trying to trying to time that up like when did when did oh he that was like that? mid to th- mid to late 2000s prometheus was he in the cult when did, was he one of the people that left 
Um, was Ridley Scott in them? <laughs> was Ridley Scott in the cult? I don't know, man. Um, anyway, so in May of 93, uh, the group uh, made some more moves to regain numbers because shit was getting crazy and they dropped down to 26 followers. Okay. And they adopted a new name again, the Total Overcomers Anonymous. Oh, okay. I, no celibacy in that name. Good, good choice. No, but he keeps the anonymous theme going, yeah, so that's wow. legit. <laughs> he dropped around $30 to publish a full-page advertisement in the USA Today that warned of a catastrophic judgment th- to befall Earth, and uh, boom. Yeah. He got 20 more followers. Wow. He's almost got as many not, followers as this podcast at this point. That's amazing. Good work, my friend. 40 right there, man. He's killing it. <laughs> Uh, At the same time, he started doing public lectures again, and they were successful, and membership grew more. 50. The new growth, yeah. He he gets emboldened and decides that he wants to start putting his message out on the internet. Okay. And as the internet does, they hit him with a whole shit ton of harsh stinging criticisms (laughs) and trolled his ass like crazy. And I guess this would have been the early days of the internet as well, so there would have been absolutely no filter. Because the internet was yeah. the Wild West in the 90s. And they, and they were brutal with him. And he, uh, at that point, started getting the idea that suicide was the method to reach the next level. Oh, my God. And he explained that every human had been forsaken, including the human body. And before one could ascend... Uh, you had to you had to get rid of even your body. So it's it's going and, down the Catholicism original sin line now, which is really interesting. Then he renamed the, the the group for the last time to Heaven's Gate. Oh no! And um, some folks speculate that it was the rejection that he felt from the internet trolls that actually <laughs> encouraged him to leave Earth. Oh god! Um, I think it could have played a good role. Yeah. But timing kind of lined up because in. Uh, the, the late 90s, the, the comet is coming, and they start hearing yep. about that. And by 1996, uh, he really got back into it, got super focused, and f- decided they needed to focus on the suppression of sexual desires. Yeah, and really focus Doe, on that. Marshall there, and seven other people decided to be surgically castrated. Oh, my God. As you would hope, they had trouble finding anybody that would... Do it, Thank Christ. but they were able to find a surgeon down in Mexico that was willing to take their money and get it done. So, um, oh, damn. he was castrated along with some other ones, oh. and then they recovered from that and came back up. And he started spreading the view that sexuality was one of the most powerful forces that bound humans to their bodies and prevented them from reaching the next level, and started teaching that the next level had. Uh, their bodies have no reproductive organs and only Luciferian. Uh, okay. They. Where did, I lost it. Uh, yeah, it was only only that Luciferian beings had genders. So I guess that makes humans Lucifer people. Pretty much. Yeah, this is so I, all over the map. It's he is hard to keep up with this guy. Fiction Bible. Stew, man. Yeah. <laughs> and at that same time, 
they decided that uh, they were all going to get the same short haircuts, wear, mm. wear the same clothes, renounce sexual identity, Ugh. and show their unity once again that they were a non-sexual family capable of evolving so that they could be ready when the damn comet got there. Of course. It's so important <laughs> it, to ride that comet. Yeah. And, and, well, it's the craft that was hiding in its, of course, its of course. Tra- trail. Why I'll tell you about you? that here in a, in a minute. In 96, they rented a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, California, and recorded two video messages in which they offered the viewers a last chance to evacuate Earth. <laughs> and... Um, Marshall began to believe and teach that T was aboard a spaceship that was trailing the comet Hale-Bopp and that she was planning to meet up with them as it got close. And he told his followers that the vessel would transport them to heaven. The government was uh, having a big conspiracy to suppress that there was any sort of craft behind it at all. And he started saying that his followers would be taken from their bodies and taken by the vessel in an event similar to the Christian idea of rapture. That's... I mean, just I, he is like you said before with the stew thing. He has just made a religious jambalaya at this point. Yep. There is just everything in there, and conspiracies and government stuff. It's like, geez, uh, basically anything you could ever possibly believe slightly, he's included in his philosophy. It is frightening. Yes, and towards the end of 1997, the group isolates themselves, begins to record their farewell messages. Mm. Uh, many of the, the followers praised Doe in the final messages. Uh, a lot of people that, that that escaped it said like it was a regurgitation of his sermons. But yeah. uh, he himself recorded a video before his death in which he called the suicides the final exit um, of the group and said uh, at the end of it, we do in all honesty hate this world. Oof. Um it's believed that the suicides began on or around uh, March 22nd. Most of the members were taking barbiturates and alcohol and putting plastic bags over their heads. Oh, no. They all wore the same uniform of Nike shoes, black uniforms with patches that read, Heaven's Gate Away Team. So <laughs> they twisted in some warped sense of humor. Oh. But they also kept it orderly in the keeping of regimentedness. There was a bag that contained some form of identification for each one of them placed beside so the important. bodies. Yeah. Um, it's believed that the death occurred over three days and Marshall was one of the last four to actually die. He had three assistants help him to commit it. So that's where I'm saying, like, he's super tortured. Like, he doesn't yeah. even buy his own shit right up to the end. Jeez. Yeah. But he wants to. He really wants to. Um, an anonymous tip led to the search of the mansion. They discovered 39 bodies on March 26th. Oh, my God. And uh, it is the largest group suicide of U.S. citizens since the 1978 events in Jonestown. And it it really led to a media circus. And he was featured on the cover of Times and Newsweek's magazine. Mm. And his final message was widely broadcast. And he was just fucking crazy-eyed in it and looked all unhinged. He was the typical charismatic leader uh, though he he might have suffered from some severe mental illness that yeah. was further complicated by repressions of his own sexuality due to the rejection from his religious beliefs, mm-hmm. as well as the suppression uh, and and hatred of same-sex marriages and yeah. couples at that time. Um, regardless of what led, he was directly responsible for the deaths of 39 people, possibly more of the ones that left 
mm. and like felt bad and wanted to go for it too. I believe one of the documentaries that's out goes into some of that. Yeah. Um, it's because of that success in convincing the followers to commit suicide that I'm submitting him as one of history's greatest idiots. Uh, but again, not to get like too serious or anything, I, I, I do want to warn folks, though, that he was able to carry it out by utilizing uh, methods of isolation mm. and um, cultivating an attitude of complete obedience to him. Yeah, yeah. Which you really got to watch out for. And yeah. if you're worried you might be going that way or you're feeling some sort of way, reach out and talk to somebody. There's tons of professionals out there. You don't have to sit around with other crazies and come up with religions. Yeah, um, Do like me and dial the damn number and talk to somebody. Yeah, talk to someone <laughs> who in the past has given you a few bits of advice, even if you've been told to reject these people from your lives, maybe get some outside perspectives. Holy shit, man. But that's what I got. I Sorry to... Downer in. No, no, no. Downer it's not, it's not downer here. because I, I, I know the story, you know. Um, and as, as I understand it, and I could be wrong because I, I think I saw this on a video that might be a couple of years old now on YouTube. Um, their website is still up, um, and it's real web 2.0 looking shit as well. Like it is really comically bad, even for the time <laughs> it came out. So, um, <laughs> well, heaven's gate. Don't imagine he was. It was snagging up a lot of uh, yeah. super graphic design, web yeah. designer. Not a lot of bandwidth with that to kind of draw people yeah. in. Um, it's it's odd because when we talk about idiocy, this guy is almost a tragedy in a way because yeah. if he'd been born in a different time and been an openly gay man in, say, 80s San Francisco or 80s New York or somewhere that was more accepting of who he was. And he was clearly uh, either gay or bisexual or possibly asexual. We'll never know. But the fact of the matter is he probably wasn't heterosexual. So had he been born into a time and a place that would have accepted him, had he been born into right. an environment that wasn't also then extremely religious and yeah. um, quite probably confusing him persecuting of difference and had he not then been influenced by somebody who told him he was the next coming of Jesus essentially and had he sought treatment for clearly underlying mental health issues that were no doubt exacerbated by the things he had to go through we would probably not be talking about this guy this is a, a real right. it's a snowball effect of tragic circumstance that have just combined to create this perfect storm of tragedy. And it is so sad. I mean, I, I do feel sorry for the way th this guy's life kind of went because it was inevitable something bad was going to happen. The fact that it went to the magnitude that it did is shocking and really sad. In terms of rating him, because a lot of the stuff happened to him, and influenced him. He might have just been a kind of a guy, you know, had he not met this Bonnie, had he not met Bonnie, he might have just been a guy that, you know, repressed his sexuality and, and maybe went from job to job. Maybe he couldn't hold down a job because he was repressing his sexuality and mental health disorders. But because of that little nudge, that was like the one thing that may have tipped him over the edge, potentially. It's, I think, 
he killed 39 people. Like, there's no two ways about yeah. it. And possibly more as well, like you were saying, the people that were kicked out and wanted to join them and stuff. Um, I feel like I have to rate him highly for that, but I have to deduct points as well because there is an element of victim of circumstance to this story. So I right. am going to say he is a 78. Um, no, I'm going to say 79. I'll go 79. Not quite an 80. I'll take that. Because if he'd been a sort of, uh, like you said, a David Koresh or a um, uh, Charles Manson, someone who sought out the ability to right. influence other people like on his own back, then he'd have been rated much higher because it's like, you deliberately did this. You went in there with a game plan and you executed it and now people are dead. But it just seemed to happen. It was one of those things that came about because of all these things. So right. I can't rate him too highly, only because I feel like he wasn't ever truly the master of his own life. This man yeah. never got to know well, who he was, ever, really. And by the end of it, he was as far away from who he possibly could be than at any point at the start of his life when he was just forming yeah. that. So I'm, I'm going to say 79. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. That's, I feel like, yeah, and that's, it's a depressing story, but also there are lessons in there for other people, like the people who got involved in this cult. It's such a fucking scattergun cult. How could you not sit there and think, okay. look, none of this makes any sense. What are we doing right. with these people? Well, and it was so all over. Like, yeah. It's <laughs> every possible the... religious thing was in there. And we're going to be really strict and completely... Just not strict at all. And but also see me as a father also, figure. Yeah. What the hell? But don't love anybody. No, love no, me. no sex. No facial hair anyway, either. You know, cut those sideburns. <laughs> well, Jesus. He was that, that was his way of making sure the no sex happened. Yeah, just remove the Take eyebrows. Take eyebrows, you're not. You're, you're not having sex with someone who's got no eyebrows. You know, even if no. people get rid of them, they at least tattoo them on. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so from one person who may have started out with a quite disturbed father figure to another. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, I present to you the current, at certainly at the time of recording, and insane life. Uh, in, uh, when I say current, sorry, I should point out, current in the news. Uh, okay. An insane <laughs> life of John McAfee. McAfee, oh, I should say. Oh, yikes. Okay. Here we go. I, yeah, I never know how to say that. I'm going to go with McAfee. <laughs> My wife corrected me earlier, so I'm going to go with McAfee. Uh, Sounds legit. Mac McAfee. I nearly <laughs> did it again. Uh, McAfee was born in Cinderford in the Forest of Dean, Gloucestershire, in the United Kingdom on 18th of September, 1945, on a U.S. Army base. So he's British, okay. this motherfucker. Um, of the 596th, bloody hell, Ordnance Ammunition Company uh, to an American father, Don McAfee, um, who was stationed there, and a British mother, Joan Williams. Oh, pardon me. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so he's like a dual citizenship. He is sort of dual citizenship, or... and um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, his father was from Roanoke. I, I love that name like uh, some american names yeah. are really cool i like roanoke that's a cool name and mcafee himself uh uh let's see mcafee was himself primarily raised in salem uh not the first insane man 
to come out of Salem, um, <laughs> Virginia, United States. Yeah, there's a few angry men in that part of the world in history. Yeah, so yeah. Um, he said he felt as much British as American, and I just uh, he sure as shit didn't sound British. So no. um, I'm just gonna. I I feel confident in saying I speak for the entire United Kingdom when I can say we're not fucking claiming this guy. <laughs> Salem can have him. Please uh, claim John McAfee. It's not like we don't have plenty of crazies here already. <laughs> we got a few ourselves. One of them's our prime minister. Shouldn't say that. I hate the Tories. Um, when he was 15, John McAfee, his father, whom a BBC columnist described as an abusive alcoholic, killed himself with a gun. Wow. Yeah. That is intense. That's not a good start to life. It's traumatizing. Yeah. Uh, he had spent his, enchi- his entire childhood living in fear that a beating from his father could happen at any time and struggled to make sense of why this was happening to him. That's a horrible thing Lord. to have to go through. An abusive yeah, father who was an alcoholic and then shot himself. Uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's going to be... That's you. brutal, man. Yeah. That's- <laughs> it's quite surprising that he made as much of himself in the next few years that he did, given the trauma that he went through. Years later, McAfee received sorry, a bachelor's degree in mathematics in 1967 from Roanoke College in Virginia. So that's... That's, that's good. That's great. Yeah. yeah, Mathematics, bachelor's degree in the 60s. I mean, that's an incredible achievement. Uh, subsequently, uh, the university, well, the college, awarded him an honorary Doctor of Science degree in 2008, they will come to regret nice. that. Oh. Yeah. Wonder why. <laughs> After receiving his bachelor's degree, McAfee began working uh, working towards a doctorate in mathematics in Northeast Louisiana State College, but was expelled in about 1968 because of a relationship with an undergraduate student who became his first wife. Just like your dude. Hey, similarities abound here. I don't, I don't know. know if uh, his was abusive alcoholic. Yeah, wonder if he'll start a cult. He had his own things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now to his professional life, which, you know, some of you will be very familiar with, given his name. McAfee was employed as a programmer by NASA's Institute of Space Studies in New York City between 1968 Damn. and 1970. God damn, this crazy motherfucker worked on the Apollo program. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. That is amazing. Also, um, while we're talking about insane people and NASA, have you ever heard that story of that woman (laughs) who was having the affair with the guy who worked? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the love triangle thing. Yeah, and then she drove like a thousand miles through the night from Florida to Houston, only stopping so that she could fill up at a gas station and buy more like... She bought more caffeine pills, and she was wearing an adult <laughs> diaper, so she didn't have to stop to take a dump. Yeah, that's yeah. Hey, you know, kind of mad. Yeah, I will find this woman. I will not stop to dump. That's that's dedication. That's, that's love, yeah. man. I do not have time to stop and take a shit, <laughs> even for a second. Um, so yeah, John McAfee worked on the Apollo program. From there, he went to Univac as a software de- designer and later Xerox as an operating systems architect. 
1978, he joined Computer Sciences Corporation as a software consultant. He worked for consulting firm Booz Allen Hamilton from 1980 to 1982. In 1986, while employed by Lockheed, he read about the brain computer virus for the PC and found it terrifying, but not so terrifying that he didn't immediately see it as a business opportunity, which is the sign of a kind of a smart guy. Like, oh my God, everyone in the world should be terrified of this. I'm going to turn it into profit. Yeah, that's the thing to do, man. That's capitalism. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He went about creating an antivirus software that could detect the computer virus and remove it automatically. In 1987, McAfee created McAfee Associates, Inc. to sell his software, which he named Virus Scan. And I'm sure anyone of our age, or possibly slightly older, will be very familiar with A, the name Virus Scan, but also... McAfee in general. And I'm sure there are still people yeah. younger than us who will know who John McAfee yeah. is, either through the fucking malware-like antivirus software that is installed on a lot of PCs to this very day, or... I have that on this one right now. I do too. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I wish I could get rid of it, but it keeps on coming back. Um, yep. This was uh, the first antivirus software brought to market, and one of the first software products to be distributed over the internet. He was a real innovator, because yes, I mean, in we're talking, you know, 1987. He created the company, probably early 90s. McAfee, the antivirus stuff comes out. The internet was just dirt slow at that oh, yeah. time. So fourteen, not even fourteen four. No, not even that. That yeah. that was a dream back then holy <laughs> shit um so initially mcafee did not seek a large user base of paying users but rather want, wanted to raise awareness of the need to be protected from computer viruses which is a noble thing so it's kind of open source at this point which is pretty good however by making people fear such malware he managed to generate millions in sales so even if he didn't want to make money by going out and saying look this shit will destroy the world people like oh my god please protect us giant terrifying (laughs) anglo-american man um by 1990 he was making five million dollars a year which in 1990 money that's a shitload of money that's that's nuts. For a small operation, yeah. like, he was doing this out of, like, a small office somewhere, and, yeah. Not too bad from starting out trying to give it away for free. I know. Like, <laughs> apparently that's the way in the 90s, try and offer it for free, and people will just throw money at you. Um, so <laughs> the company was incorporated in Delaware in 1992 and had its initial public offering the same year. In August 1993, McAfee stepped down as chief executive and remained with the company as the chief technical officer, which is probably the ideal role for him, really, because he's designing oh, yeah. shit and stuff like that. Um, he was succeeded by Bill Larson. Um, in 1994, he sold his remaining stake in the company. He had no further involvement with its operations from then on, and McAfee, the company, will be very happy for us to point out that he cut ties with them in 1994, and that was it. Yes. No more. Yeah. Because he was not involved in the business. They do not want his stink anywhere near their product. Um, I'm surprised they haven't figured out a way, way to rebrand yet. They, they tried I to. Mean, this is what we're getting, we're going to get to now. This is the, They tried to wipe the smudge of early stench from the McAfee name. 
After various <laughs> mergers and ownership changes, Intel acquired McAfee in August 2010. In January 2014, Intel announced that McAfee-related products will be marketed as Intel Security, which is... Okay. Yeah. That's, you'll start to see why. McAfee commented on this. He was asked for a comment, expressed his pl- uh, his pleasure at the name change, saying, I am now everlastingly grateful to Intel for freeing me from the terrible association with the worst software on the planet. <laughs> I'm starting to, well, he knows. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But that's got your fucking name on it, dude. Sound like a bit of a dick. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the business was soon demerged from Intel once more under the name McAfee. Uh, yeah, just McAfee. In August 2009, this is where it starts to get starts to take a turn, really. In August 2009, yeah. the New York Times reported that McAfee's personal fortune had declined to four million dollars from a peak of one hundred million dollars. Yeah, dude, he lost a shit ton ninety-six of money, million dollars in like fifteen years. Ooh. That's rough. He better have a shitload of cars, because if he Did doesn't he not have anything invested at all. Ah, uh, this is where we'll get to what happened to his money. He just might be the worst investor in history. Like, it, put it all in Enron. Yeah, put it all in Bernie Madoff's <laughs> little scheme. Um, due to the due to the effects of the financial crisis of two thousand and seven to two thousand and eight on his investments. I'm sorry, I had investments in that time. You don't lose like. 96% of your fortune you might lose half no. but you don't lose that much yeah. unless you've made really bad investments holy shit yes in 2009 yeah. McAfee was interviewed uh, in Belize on the CNBC special The Bubble Decade in which it was reported that he had invested in and or built many mansions in the USA that were unsold when the global 2007 recession hit so this guy did somewhat the right thing because it's yeah, doing the real estate yeah land property you kind of there's there's a saying in this country um safe as houses or safe as bricks okay basically so like, as long as you build you're generally going to be okay and i did a similar thing like i was a property investor for years and I had a very comfortable living doing that and even when the financial crisis hit i was still doing okay you know, I didn't have to right. worry too much about that. However, this guy decided to build fucking mansions, couldn't sell them because they were so poorly designed, and then, of course, the financial crisis hit, the banks came calling for their money, and he had to pay them off, and yep. then he has basically nothing left. Um, the, Damn. The report also discussed his his quest to raise plants for possible medicinal uses on his land in Belize. This is another weed yeah pretty much uh <laughs> this it gets really dark in february 2010 mcafee started the company corum x headquartered in belize which aimed to produce herbal antibiotics that disrupt corum sensing in bacteria which is a whole microbiology thing and it's a no- noble cause but he was not a noble man. It's time to... F- <laughs> and now it's time to talk about um, something every insane American businessman uh, tries at some point in their lifetime. Uh-oh. On the 8th of September 2015, McAfee announced a bid for President of the United States in the 2016 <laughs> presidential election as the candidate of the newly formed political party called the Cyber Party. 
Sounds like, oh, that sounds terrifying. That does. That sounds <laughs> like some sort of dystopian future. Uh, yeah. Or a really shit 80s nightclub. Um, <laughs> on the 24th of December 2015, he reannounced his candidacy bid, saying that he would instead seek the presidential nomination of the Libertarian Party. Um, Get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so funny on the campaign trail he consistently polled alongside the party's other top candidates gary johnson and austin peterson who sound exactly like the kind of names you get for libertarian members gary johnson's awesome though is he <laughs> yeah he's a he's a pot smoking mount everest climbing former governor from new mexico i'd rather vote for this that dude's I would definitely Dude, vote for that. He's hilarious. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently the three partook in the Libertarian Party's first nationally televised presidential debate on the 29th of March 2016. His running mate was photographer and commercial real estate broker and Libertarian activist Judd Weiss. Um, okay. McAfee came second in the primaries and third at the 2016 Libertarian National Conference, at which point he threw his toys at the pram and started going on about conspiracies <laughs> and how everything... As you do. Yeah, he's not a good loser. Um, that he even got that far is kind of amazing, really. Well, he came in second out of what, two? Uh, third out of three. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he was second out of three, and then everyone was like, oh okay. my god, he's fucking mad. And then he became third out of three. Even the Libertarian Party were like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's enough from you. Um, and he tried it again, incidentally. He ran again in 2020 while he was in exile. Let's get to that. Yeah. Yeah, I just have to take, take a quick slurp because this is where it gets dark and intense and holy shit. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm surprised. I, I'm medicinal plants yeah. that he's growing down there is either weed or what? Ayahuasca. He's uh, <laughs> pretty much yeah. He's 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 doing the Joshua Tree peyote route. I think to be honest with you, um, it's it, it gets really dark. Cause like actually, when he started the company and when he started investing and getting people involved, he he sounded like he was into it. Like the whole Steve Jobs things. Like I want to help cure this and that, but very quickly right. became obvious that his priorities lay in a different part of his life. Um, McAfee yeah. was named a defendant in a 2008 civil court case related to his aero-trekking light sport aircraft venture. That didn't last very long. Uh, and the death of nephew Joel Bittow and a passenger. Uh, nothing really came of that, but uh, it was one of a number of lawsuits that are about to happen to John McAfee. McAfee bought a beachfront estate on Ambergris Cay in San Pedro. In 2010, he met Alison Adonizio, a Harvard graduate student researching plant-based antibiotics. He agreed to partner her research, starting a company called Coramex, and building a lab on a property uh, 22 acres inland near the town of Carmelita. He did it all for some nookie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he met a, a microbiologist and all of a sudden he's like, Ooh, Yeah, I'll he, help. He start a company. Yeah. <laughs> Fearing gangsters, um, he began arming his own private security force made up largely of criminals. One, uh, When one local gangster, David Middleton, supposedly threatened him, he made a pact with another. Middleton was shortly after found tortured and eventually died, but no one was ever charged. So, threatens John McAfee, turns up a few days later looking a bit the worse for wear, dies. It's kind of no apparently no causal link in the Belizean 
authorities' eyes with that one. Uh, well, it's not. <laughs> it's not like they're the guardy or whatever. No, no, the guarder would have done a far better <laughs> job with that shit. They'd have lost a gate. Um, by 2012, McAfee was. Uh, playing out Conrad's heart of darkness, controlling the town of Carmelita, even ordering locals off the streets and putting in place a curfew, arming criminals and making people stay indoors. Fucking insane. Yeah. He thinks he's Scarface. He is an absolute dictator of a town at this point. He was also assembling a harem of young women, According to the girls interviewed in Gringo, which is a documentary about McAfee's life, it's... Oh, God, that documentary is amazing. Please watch it. It's fucking insane. It's about five years old now, but, you know, I'm about to fill in the gaps for you, to be honest, so it's even more insane. Uh, McAfee's sexual proclivities centred on coprophilia. Now, okay, so... Uh, uh, sorry, let me. The, I'll say the name again, and then I'll say the thing, and then I'll give you a, a, a PG explanation. Coprophilia. Okay. Under a hammock. Okay. You're still very confused, and I can see why. So I will explain. <laughs> he made the girls sit on the hammock while he sat beneath the hammock. The girls were naked, and he'd okay. make the girls Mr. Belvedere all over him. <laughs> Now, Derek gets this reference because he's a man of a certain age, and anyone who knows the story of Mr. Belvedere and a meeting he had with executives um, will know what I'm talking about. So, if you want to Google Mr. Belvedere accident, please do. Why is it a thing? Why is it a thing? Also, if you've ever watched American Dad, there's an episode where one of the characters said, says, I Mr. Belvedered myself. Google it. <laughs> so that's all you need to know. I don't want to say any more than that, but he made the girls Mr. Belvedere all over him through a hammock? Crazy. Yeah, why? Why so specific? He just had a, a thing for hammocks, I think, and also mis- <laughs> the, the act I'm oh, talking about. Uh, McAfee, for his part, claims that the girls were paid to tell lies. Who the fuck would lie about that? Yeah. That's a really well, specific lie. Who lie about that? <laughs> yeah. And why do they... Dude, that's a hell of a writer. I know. <laughs> it's like... You can't write that no, shit. No, there's... I'm sorry. <laughs> that's too weird to not be true. Sorry. Yes. Um, meanwhile, the craziness so frightened uh, Adonizio that she told McAfee she wanted to leave. This is also after weeks of him, like, sexually harassing her, basically. This is where it gets really right. dark. She alleges that McAfee agreed after they sat down, they had a talk... And he said he handed her a drink. She woke up several hours later, um, woozy, and felt that she had been raped. Um, She escaped with the help of her friends. And to this, well, to this day, um, nothing has ever, he was never charged with anything. But it's pretty obvious what happened because they found barbiturates in his system. So that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, he uh, he, co- uh, Bill, Bill Cosby'd her. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> oh. On the third, I, I just threw 
threw America's dad under the bus there. He's been under the bus for a fucking long time. He can stay there as well. Um, On the 30th of April 2012, McAfee's property in Orange Walk Town, Belize, was raided by the gang suppression suppression unit of the Belize Police Department. A GCU press, uh, press release said he was arrested for unlicensed drug manufacturing and possession of an unlicensed weapon. The fact that he only had one means that they didn't do a very good search because this guy had fucking dozens all over the house and many of his mansions. And also, the you know, we know about the drugs. The small army. The small army of people who were armed basically become became a drug baron overnight. Yeah. Um, amazingly, and this is probably because he was wealthy, he was released without charge. In 2012, I can't fucking believe it. In 2012, <laughs> Belize police spokesman Rafael Martinez confirmed that McAfee was neither convicted nor charged, only suspected. But they fucking arrested him. They found an unlicensed weapon. They found a shitload of drugs. Why wasn't he charged? Because he's rich. Yes, because he they had the money to pay the fine, and it all went yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. Or pay the un, unofficial fine, the the tax, if yeah. you will. In um, January 2014, while in Canada, he said that when the Belizean government raided his property, it seized his assets and that his house later burned down under suspicious circumstances. I think that's just paranoia. I I don't... Yeah. yeah. Maybe some of it's true, but McAfee's a known liar, so I'm not going to stick too much on that. Probably because the insurance wasn't going to pay him. They're like, you burn it down, you asshole. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. That would have been perfect. (laughs) in Canada. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on uh, the 2nd of August, and this is a condensed timeline now, on the 2nd of August 2015, McAfee was arrested in Henderson, te- Henderson County, Tennessee, on one count of driving under the influence and one count of a possession of firearms while intoxicated. Why the fuck was this guy allowed near firearms again? Jesus. <laughs> At least he's got firearms. This yeah, time. he has more than one. Um, in July 2019, McAfee and members of his entourage were arrested while he was, um, while his yacht was docked at Puerto Planta in the Dominican Republic on suspicion of carrying high-caliber weapons and ammunition. Fucking again! Is this guy trying to invade Puerto Rico at this point, or the Dominican Republic at this point? My God. He's building his navy now. Yeah. He's got the army. He's conquered the, the land. Now it's Go time on. for the sea. Um, is, is, is it fair to say that he's Dr. Evil at this point? Is he... Pretty close. I was going to say, are we sure he's just not a king yeah. in the wrong time period? He's uh, <laughs> declared himself king. I'm pretty certain of that. Um, they uh, So in the Dominican Republic, they were held for four days and released. Weapons were seized, according to the public ministry. So again, more weapons with this dude. On the 11th of August 2020, McAfee falsely stated that he was arrested in Norway during the COVID-19 pandemic after refusing to replace uh, a lace thong with a more effective face mask. This jackass. Yeah. Um, he later tweeted a picture of himself with a bruised eye, claiming it occurred during the arrest. So he's uh, alleging police uh, brutality at this point in Norway, which that just doesn't fucking happen. Uh-huh. Uh, the photo of the right. alleged arrest shows an officer with the German word for police on his uniform, because, of course, they speak German in Norway. Um, uh, invalidating McAfee's claim of being arrested in Norway. The Augsburg police later said he tried to enter Germany on that day but was not arrested. It's it's hard to know where this guy's head's at at this point in 2020. Just, 
playing for some pity. Yeah, and wanting to be relevant. It's right. It's almost like because obviously 2020 he went for a, a government uh, presidential thing again, but we're about to see now possibly why he's like going from Belize to America to Norway to Germany. Um, on the 12th of November 2012, going back in time eight years now, Belize police, which is a very hard thing to say in consecutive words, <laughs> uh, began to search McAfee, uh, search for McAfee um, as a person of interest in connection to the homicide investigation of American expatriate Gregory Viant Fall, um, who was found dead of a gunshot wound the day before at his home on the island of Ambergris Cay, uh, the hmm. largest island in the Belize. Fall was a neighbour of McAfee's. Uh, in contemporary interview with Wired, McAfee said he was uh, he had been afraid the police would kill him and refused the routine questions and basically ran away from them. Um <laughs> I should point a side note here. It's been noted in the documentary Gringo uh, that McAfee was a genuinely, he was a nightmare neighbour because he was always firing guns, had like non-stop parties with dozens of young women in hammocks wow. doing stuff all over him. Um, and he he paid them like a lot for the, the area, but like still he's paying them to do stuff. And also um, kept dozens of dogs on the property because he was so terrified of being burgled or attacked that he had something Man. like 17, 18 dogs on the property at any one time. I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank. He's trying to be... Uh... Oh, Pablo there Escobar. There you go. That's who he's trying to be. He's trying to be Pablo Escobar on a budget, <laughs> by the sounds of it, although I'm pretty certain Escobar <laughs> never did the hammock thing. Um, you don't well, know. We don't know. No, that would make for quite an interesting episode of Narcos. Um, the pro... <laughs> Uh, because he was paranoid. Apparently, Fall complained about uh, the noise numerous times, which really upset McAfee, and apparently upset him enough to allegedly shoot him in the back of the head. So, yeah, allegedly. allegedly. Well, we don't have to worry too much about that now. Um, McAfee, right before well, he skipped um, off and never came back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> while refusing the routine questions of the police because he was afraid of being murdered, buried himself in the sand for several hours with a cardboard box over his head. What the fuck? I just, I don't <laughs> have the words. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Uh, um, dick in a box. <laughs> <laughs> the Belize Prime Minister Dean Barrow called him extremely paranoid, even bonkers. Yes, yes, I agree one hundred percent with that Fully. statement. Uh, amongst other things, he called. Uh, he fled Belize rather than cooperate, so he's now on the run from them. Uh, in December, the magazine Vice accidentally gave away McAfee's location at a Guant uh, Guatemalan <laughs> resort. <laughs> Fucking vice, man. Jeez. Whoops. <laughs> Oopsie. We've done it again. <laughs> uh, when a photo taken by one of its journalists accompanying him was posted with the EXIF geolocation metadata still attached. Yeah, that wasn't an accident. <laughs> They're fucking shopping him to the the authorities, aren't they? That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, While in Gu really? Guatemala, McAfee <laughs> asked Chad Esley an American cartoonist and animator to set up a blog so he fucking blog so he could write about his experience while on the run i uh, this guy that's some balls man 
<laughs> also, can you make me some nice cartoons to go along with this blog while I'm on the run from the law? What the fuck? You gotta give it that wholesome Yeah, you feel. really gotta get the visual aspect of the blog down before you can provide the on the, on the lamb content. Um, he then appeared publicly <laughs> in Guatemala City where he unsuccessfully sought political asylum. On December the why what was what would his excuse have been? I'm I'm an idiot um, and no one likes me. Can I have a, a, a <laughs> asylum, please? <laughs> seems as good a good a, good a reason yeah, at as this any, point. Yeah, absolutely. They're gonna murder me because I'm a dick. I'm an asshole. No one likes me. Can I stay here? Um, <laughs> on December the fifth, he was arrested for illegally entering Guatemala. Shortly afterward, the boarding the board reviewed his asylum plea, denied it and he was taken to a detention centre to await deportation to Belize. On December the 6th, Reuters and ABC News reported that McAfee had two minor heart attacks in the detention centre and was hospitalised. His lawyer said that he had no heart attacks, rather high blood pressure and anxiety attacks, which, you know, you're in a detention centre in a foreign country. I can buy that. You know, that, that yeah. seems late. That seems fine. Now let's get to what John McAfee says. McAfee later said okay. he faked the heart attacks to buy time for his attorney to file a series of appeals that ultimately yeah. prevented his deportation to Belize, thus hastening the government's decision to send him back to the United States. Yeah. Why say that? He's a... <laughs> he, he's he's a jackass and he's totally not he evil. Is... And also, like, you're not helping yourself. No one is going to believe you now if you ever have a genuine heart problem. Which, given the amount of cocaine oh, yeah. this guy was doing, is definitely <laughs> an issue that's going to come up in the future. Um, on December the 12th, McAfee was released and deported to the United States. On the 14th of November 2018, the circuit court in Orlando, Florida, refused to dis uh, dismiss a wrongful death lawsuit against him in Fall's death. So at that point, they're essentially saying, we know you did it, so just get, deal with yeah. it. In January 2019, McAfee announced that he was on the run from the U.S. authorities, a different country this time, and living internationally on a boat following the convening. <laughs> He's a fucking Bond He's villain. He's on a boat. <laughs> oh. I'm kind of wondering if he's oh, he's trying to license the soundtrack yeah. from uh, the Adam Sandberg or whatever his name oh. is. Andy, Andy Sandberg, yeah. The, I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat, uh, motherfucker. There we go. <laughs> uh, surrounded by cocaine and prostitutes and hammocks. Um, oh, man. <laughs> in January, yeah, he announced that he was on the run, living internationally on a boat, following the convening of a grand jury to indict him. His wife and four of his 2020 Libertarian Party presidential primary staff on tax evasion charges. So he's running for president Whoops. from international waters. <laughs> At the time, the Internal Revenue Service had not independently confirmed the existence of any such indictment. However... On the 5th of October 2020, McAfee was arrested in Spain at the request of the United States Department of Justice for Tax Evasion. The June indictment, which was unsealed upon his arrest, alleged he earned millions of dollars from 2014 to 2018 and failed to file income tax returns, which is a big no-no. You don't fuck with the United States tax people. They come down like a yeah. swift hammer of justice. That's what took That's out the public, right. Man. 
they do not fuck around. On the 6th of October, the US Securities and Exchange Commission filed a complaint further alleging McAfee and his bodyguard promoted certain initial coin offerings, ICOs, in a fraudulent cryptocurrency pump and dump scheme. YouTubers are now doing that to this very fucking day. God bless them, they're carrying yeah. on the trend that John McAfee started. McAfee, sorry. Ah, uh, Trenton. Yes. He was an innovator, antivirus software and pump and dump schemes. Um, which is also not a, uh, a callback to the hammock thing. Um, <laughs> it claims he presented himself as an impartial investor when he promoted the ICOs, despite allegedly getting paid $23 million. I hadn't even read that part. Damn. In digital assets in return. Jesus, no wonder this guy had money. Wow. On the 5th of March, 2021, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York formally indicted him and an executive advisor on these charges. McAfee was jailed in Spain pending extradition to the United States. On the 23rd of June, 2021, the Spanish National Court authorised his extradition to face charges in Tennessee. McAfee is suspected to have committed suicide several hours after the authorization. The New York extradition case was still pending in a lower Spanish court. So John McAfee passed away on the 23rd of June 2021 while in prison in Spain from suicide. And to sum up John McAfee's life, I'd like to use this quote from the personal life section of his Wikipedia page, which when you have a personal life section that is included that includes quotes, horrible quotes from other people, you know you're a, you're a fucking horrible human being. In December 2018, McAfee tweeted that he had 47 genetic children. His third wife... Good lord. Yeah, the dude got around. Um, his bit. third wife described him in a Father's Day message as father of many, loved by few. <laughs> Fact. Yeah, that's... You're a dick yeah. guy. <laughs> and there ends the life of John McAfee, one of the craziest bastards to ever come out of Gloucestershire. Um, fuck, yeah. man. Um, that That's... Man. What a life. That's like, that's like Herb Abrams had a brother that was more insane than him. It's just... Yeah, I think it's just because he had more money. Yeah, had Herb Abrams had that kind of money, <laughs> he definitely would have ended up in Belize offing people and uh, doing the hammock thing. What do you make of John McAfee? I mean, I'm sure you were aware of elements of that um, because he's notorious yes, on yeah. the internet now. Well, I forgot that he even ran in the presidential yeah. I had no uh, idea about that. That's just fucking up. gold right there. I might have it's, killed yeah, someone. Well, Vote me in. <clears throat> to be fair, um, that hasn't stopped us before. That's true. That's I mean, true. Didn't we do Andrew? Andrew, Andrew Jackson, Jackson was a serial killer by the time he got into office. So, <laughs> so, I mean, just yeah, saying, it's not um, out of the ordinary. He didn't have a whole lot of like mass death no. or bad stuff. Although his software, yeah, pisses me off. I daily. hate that shit. It forces <laughs> Yahoo searches into your your default. It's so bad. I'm not totally convinced that he didn't create computer viruses to create the company. That is an online rumor. That is an online rumor so, that he is someone who sped up the um, kind of vor the voraciousness of uh, viruses. He made them more malicious uh, to sell his own yeah, stuff. I and I, to a certain extent, that just sounds like, you know, John McAfee's mad. Let's make up more mad shit about him. But he's so mad. 
that actually a part of me feels that might be partially true. He oh, definitely yeah. may have overstated well, totally the, the danger of viruses, to be honest. But, I mean, the thing is, in a way, he is definitely an innovator because without him, we might not have antivirus software that we do. But then again, like, had he not done it, I'm sure somebody else would have done it. You know, this isn't, like, something he invented out of, like, nothing. Right. You know, there were probably other people working on it, so... Yeah, yeah, I... I think just because he is actually quite possibly a cartoon villain. <laughs> um, he's fucking insane. That he's got extra points for style. Oh, yeah. Um, Jesus. I, I, yeah. He got one death under his belt. Uh, allegedly. allegedly. Uh, Possibly two. Se- sexual misconduct yep. stuff. Drug uh, stuff. Tried to create a harem. But, uh, Tried to start a country, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically became, um, what was it? Like we talked about the Heart of Darkness thing. Um, Apocalypse Now. Essentially, he is Corporal, um, what's his name? Kurt, Kurtz, is it? Uh, uh, who's Marlon Brando's character in I that film? I can't remember. I, I can't He's remember. essentially that person in Belize. see it in the cave yeah. there. Um, yeah, so style points added... I, Solid 82. Oh, nice. Thank you. Yes. I feel John McAfee is... I love the story of John McAfee. I hate the shit he's done, but it is... You wouldn't believe it if it were a film, a fictional film. Like, you would find that hard to Right. Well, it wouldn't... It would be hard to to make it believable as a film. Entirely too much craziness for it to be... Like, it makes me think... Like if train spotting had money, the film train spotting. It's just so much insane shit in one lifetime. And obviously, you know, we talked about traumatic childhoods with with the previous guy, with Bo. Right. Um uh, but this this is a similar yeah. thing. His dad was abusive from a very young age and was an alcoholic and shot himself. So that is gonna traumatize anyone. Um Yes, and because of the time he grew up in in the sixties and seventies, again psychological help was not readily available at that time. For oh, they just locked you up pretty much. Away. Yeah, uh, if you weren't like clinically diagnosed as insane, if you went to your doctor and you were like, "Look, my dad killed himself and shit," I th- I think I might have some issues around that. Your doctor would have just gone, "No, you're fine. Just get out of my yeah. office." Suck it up and go. Go have a whiskey. Yeah, Suck it up. Exactly. Go. Go on, <laughs> you scamp. Um, but yeah, John McAfee, <laughs> McAfee. Uh, it's just, it's an amazing story. We don't often get people like that when we study idiots from history, but I feel like when we do get them, the multiple level idiots that do all sorts of crazy shit, they're so much fun to research. Yeah. Because you just can't believe well, it. You know. Yeah, it's entertaining as hell. <laughs> In our mundane just, lives, just... John McAfee's of the world keep us going, how the fuck did he do that? <laughs> and I didn't know that, like, because I, a lot of this research, I kind of copy and paste and edit and change and stuff. I must have glossed over the part where he earned tens of millions of dollars from crypto scams. I was not aware of yeah. that. Holy shit. Wasn't Steven Seagal? Yes, uh, one of his. Yes, he was. Were they together? Uh, it may have yeah. been, although I don't think Seagal made quite as much money. <laughs> but holy shit, no, that's like yeah, 
that's amazing. The the kind of the network of connections between these idiots is just it's ever growing. You know, I wonder if Elizabeth Holmes ever did any crypto scans because then we could link her to to Enron again. Maybe. And uh, you know, it's just it's crazy. It's a small world, this world of idiots. Yes. Anyway, there we go. That is uh, oh. John McAfee, um, possibly the craziest person uh, to ever make a Fortune 500 company. And um, who, sorry, what was the name of your guy? Marshall Applewhite, Marshall a.k.a. Applewhite. Bo, a.k.a. Doe. Bo Doe, Marshall Applewhite, uh, the hev- Heaven's Gate proprietor yes, and... Yep. Real kind of that, that and the Kaiser. These last two episodes, they've been kind of like somewhat tragic in the way they've unfolded. I feel like a little yeah. bit. I, I'm not trying. No, to bring no, no, down. no. I just uh, there, there are tragic <laughs> elements know. that it's... have shaped the way their lives have ended up. But then again, they could have just not been those people. You know, plenty of people have tragic right. lives. They don't wandered. do that. I wander down these paths of things that are interesting, yeah. and uh, I guess I, I'm on a dark road at the moment, I guess. <laughs> Mar- Marshall Applewhite, the man behind the Heaven's Gate cult. So thank you, everybody, uh, for listening in. Derek, I had a load of fun researching this episode and doing it. And what was it like hearing about John McAfee? Because as soon as you heard the name, you were like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> yeah, it, dude, I, <laughs> that guy is nuts, yeah. and... Honestly, I hadn't heard too much about him until uh, I, you mentioned something uh, earlier when we were talking about updates, and I I had to look into it, and yeah, his his life was yeah. nuts. It was entertaining, just so I, I appreciate the yeah. the. I I, lo- I, I the genuinely story. love finding people like this. It's something that gets me so excited to share their story with the world, even if people aren't are already aware of them it's really nice to kind of like oh yeah i remember oh yeah he did that it's like it starts right. that conversation and also this is important this is why we bring this stuff up is we want you to learn lessons from this insanity so i did i learned a lesson what was the name of that uh, hammock thing oh god <laughs> the miss mr belvedere <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> you learned oh, you mean the actual act itself um, I can't remember. I'm just going to remember it as the Mr. Belvedere with the hammock thing. Ugh. Yeah. So we that learned. I didn't know. Yes, <laughs> we learned about that sexual act today. So if you find yourselves going down, and also again, this is about traumatic childhood with these two guys. If you have trauma in your past, and you are concerned, if you have that moment of clarity where you feel like maybe trauma in your past has influenced your current behavior, please get help. And please, again, like Derek said, talk to people, um, reach out to people you trust. And psychological help is nothing to be ashamed of getting. Neither is getting medication for any potential mental illnesses you have. Um, It's it's something that I definitely uh, would recommend. I've taken antidepressants at various points in my life. They help a lot, as does psychological help. I've also had that. It is wonderful. It really does help. Talking therapies work for 99% of people out there, so please look into it. But if you do find yourself um, going down a path where you have moved to a Central American country and taken over a town, armed a small cadre 
of ex-cons and hired out prostitutes to sit on a hammock above you while you do unimaginable <laughs> things. Um, or you decide that um, because somebody told you once, you probably are Jesus and that's why you can't kind of find your way in the world and maybe people should die for you as a result. Don't do it because that ain't good shit. That's yeah. not a good way to live life. So that's been our show for this week. Uh, I've had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, thank oh, you yeah. so much to everybody for joining us. And until next time, Derek, would you like to say goodbye? Bye, everybody. And we will see you in episode 16. If you'd like to hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. We're also on YouTube now if you search for History's Greatest Idiots. But um, if you go on Instagram, you will find us at History's Greatest Idiots and on Twitter at Greatest Idiots. And we will see you again soon. Take care now. Bye. Bye.